Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey Australia, Glenn James here. You're listening to My Millennial Answers and today I've got a couple of guests. Now, I get out and about and I've got a lot of friends, that's right, and some of those friends are financial advisors. So today on the podcast, I've wrangled in Sam Robinson. Hey, how are you? Hi. And Matt Hawkins. G'day, mate. How are you? Good. And a lot of you might know Matt from our Instagram stories over the months. You were trying to pimp him out, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yep. (laughs) I'm still single. Yeah. (laughs) Just so you know. So, what's your Instagram, Hawk? (laughs) Uh, It's the Hawk0001. So, so Sam, just tell us about your business and your background and whatnot. Yeah, cool. Um, so, my business is Pursue Wealth. We're in South Melbourne and we started it in 2014, realistically, with the idea to help people save, start investing, understand money and just be empowered. Sweet. And Hawks? Yeah, a little business down in Hobart, uh, GJ, uh, Elevate Wealth. It's been going for about eight years now. Really diverse uh, accounting and financial uh, advice, uh, but certainly dealing with millennials right the way up to aged care advice. A real mixed bag. Wow, sounds boring. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, now we're going to get into some listener questions. And because I've got the professionals with me today, um, let's start with Angeline. How to best choose financial advisors and or tax advisors? It's a minefield and it's great to get some info and it'd be great to get some info post Royal Commission post Royal Commission on how to identify those far out on how to identify those with vested interests. So you've got an accounting business as well. Absolutely. How how does somebody find a trusted advisor? Look, mate, over the last probably six months has been really interesting. We've had so many people come to us. They've cut and paste those four questions from the um, from the Barefoot Investor. I'm sure we've seen those four questions. Yeah. Uh, benchmark against the returns. How do you charge? Are you a percentage-based charger? Uh, do you charge flat dollars? Uh, look, I think with relationships with financial advisors, it's got to be a two-way relationship. You've got to have someone that wants to help you. Um, you've also got to have someone who wants to engage with you. Really spend the time understanding what your goals and objectives are. And I think if you have an advisor, that has a similar ethos to you, has similar goals, similar feelings, similar ideas about money. Um, I think that's certainly one of the ways, uh, I think, as a starting point, that relationship's got to be pretty deep. Yeah, because I'm not going to somebody on the return because if they can guarantee me a return, that's a problem. Look, spot on. I think if you if you ever have an advisor saying, we've had a cracking six months, we've had a 14% return, I, I'd run quickly. You know, we never talk about that short-term gratification of good returns because that's really what they're holding out to um, to achieve every single year. So, they're almost setting themselves up for failure. Again, I love the return. What does a return do? It, it facilitates a goal and objective. So, if you've made money through investments or through superannuation and that facilitates a holiday, that's really what you bring it back to. But you want to have someone who understands your goals and objectives and spends the time understanding what you know what, what's important to you. I think it's so true because I think so many people talk about uh, investment returns um, and how that actually aligns with financial advice and I think 
the difference is that a financial advisor opposed to an investment advisor is going to touch on that. But if, if you're basing their worth on returns, then possibly you're not after a financial advisor. You might be after a stockbroker or something really specific or niche to that. I think a financial advisor is so much deeper. Look, I, I think you're spot on. I think that the second aspect of it really is um, finding a financial advisor can be challenging. I mean, if you walk down Collins Street in, in Melbourne or, or Collins Street in Hobart, there are a dime a dozen. So you go on the far register, the financial advice register, and you're trying to look for someone. I, I think trying to um, garnish a, um, a referral, someone who knows someone, someone who understands them. If you look at four names on a page, you know, if you don't have a referral, you've really got to look a bit deeper and, and send them an email. Ask them some questions about how they, uh, how they engage. What's the engagement process? How do they charge? What, what are we looking for? And really, again, it's a two-way relationship. You're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Yeah, and I think for me, the best thing to do is to, one, ask some people in your world, who do they use, but also why do they use them? Yeah. And I've set up on the sortyourmoneyout.com website that hosts this podcast a referral service because we've got so many listeners who want to go and see an advisor and I've got a panel of advisors that I trust and, you know, enough to at least introduce people. Now, there have been some instances where, and because I ask some basic questions, so I know if you're 53 years old and you want to do something to build up your retirement, I'm not going to send them to an advisor who specializes in under 30s. Yeah, well, you okay? wouldn't send them to me, so, would you? No, that's right. So, as an example, I've sent people to some of my trusted advisors and they've said, hey, not vibing that person for whatever reason, because we don't get on with everybody, can you send me somewhere else? So, mm. I think it's always important to, number one, Google, if you get a recommendation, Google their name. Okay, that's like... Great starting point. Yeah, <laughs> or like, you know, if you're active on Tinder, Matt, and... <laughs> And, and you, you swap, and you and you swap left, we're in trouble. Yeah, well, if you get someone's name, you're going to Google them before you take them out. Absolutely. It's like a double whammy, so, financial advisor and a date. You've, yeah. got a, you've got a vibe. You've got a vibe. With you, got you, a, you do. You trust your gut. And I think well, I talk about that heaps. You, just, you have to trust your gut, but also practicing what you preach. Totally. Totally. If, if you sit with an advisor, I think it's really important to actually ask them what they're doing. With their them say, Oh, 100% because I've seen a lot of people not practice what they preach. And I think that's the, the basis is that if I'm giving you advice, you want to know that I would actually follow it myself. Like I wouldn't go to somebody for fitness advice because I'm a fatty. <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go to somebody for hairstyling advice because I've got no hair. I wouldn't go to someone for personality advice because I haven't got a personality. <laughs> or whatever. I wouldn't get... Yeah, anyway. Um, you get what I'm saying. I yeah. think I've fumbled my words there. but um, No, you've nailed that, mate. Yeah. So, don't come to me for personality advice. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what you've nailed beautifully. Yeah, perfect. So, yeah. Like anything, go with your gut. And if you yeah. go to some... So, if I send... I've sent a lot of our listeners in Hobart and Tasmania to Matt, right? He can look after them. That's great. But if you go to Matt and you're just not vibing him, mm-hmm. you don't actually have to commit. And you're not going to get the best out of a relationship unless you're vibing with them. You've got that radar and you'll walk into a business and it might be how the reception smells, it might be how it looks, it might be how it feels, it might be what you see. If you get that bullshit meter comes up, if that radar pops up early, don't waste your time. Say, look, it's been great. Thank you. I need to keep looking. You know, it's like finding a GP. You don't vibe with every GP. You've got to have a good relationship with a couple of key influences in your life. And I think the financial advisor is really the foundation of all those relationships. You've got to vibe with us. Now, Sam, just talk to us, you know, financial advisor. Mm -hmm. Um, 
a lot of this is I don't have enough money for a financial advisor mm-hmm. or this or that. So I'm a young professional, for example. Mm-hmm. I've earned 95K. Yeah, I've got kind of some savings habits. Like if I go to you as an advisor, what type of advice, what do I use you for? Yeah, so I think initially it's all about exploring what your life looks like. Sure. I think that's the the hardest part of the entire process is actually mapping out, well, I assume, you know, I'm on good money, I'm a professional, I'm young. I assume that my life is just going to fall into place. That's that's kind of the the gist that we get with most people. But actually getting them to visualise, well, actually, what does that look like? What does having my shit together look like in five, ten years, fifteen years' time? Do I have a family? Where am I living? What's it look like? And what am I travelling? Where am I eating? Just day-to-day stuff. And so exploring that is step one. And then getting empowered. So I talk a lot about empowerment and inspiration when it comes to your, your day-to-day finances and feeling like you have decisions or, yeah. or you have options, I guess. Um, so understanding how to invest, how to make your money work harder for you, um, just but also making your life easy. Mm. Finance doesn't have to be hard or overly complicated. It's It should be fun. Totally. And I think that uh, most people, um, when they start earning a good, a good career or start earning some good money, mm. they've all got great goals. I mean, I don't know many people that I surround myself who don't have great goals. But having great goals doesn't mean you have a plan in place. You know, it's like that old saying, a goal without a plan is just a wish. You hope it happens. You've all got goals. You've now got to start to put some plans in place to make sure they're achieved and, and, and you're held accountable to them. Um, it's, again, smashed avocado on a Sunday. I mean, you've got to earn a great wage to have smashed avocado on a Sunday morning, right? So if that's your goal, how are you going to get to it? How are you going to yeah, facilitate it? So I think it, it is the third-party accountability is a big impact. Massive. And I, I say to a lot of people, like, your advisor should pay for themselves. Oh, tenfold. Yeah. I, I honestly it, believe that. It's not an expense. Um, no, they it's should an investment. It's an 100%. investment. Um, I think I must have been on, on your um, Instagram, I reckon, Glenn. It, I think you had a quote, something like, I earn too much money to be this poor. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so true. I think so many people um, just assume that, Wealth comes with earning good income, but it totally, really doesn't. Totally. All right, let's move on to another question. Leeling asks, is it more worth it to put money into term deposits or invest? Look, uh, what a great question, Leeling. Uh, investing versus a term deposit. Well, let's be really clear. A term deposit is a form of investment. Um, it really is around your risk appetite and your appetite for risk and your appetite for return. I'm a over bit, a time over period. Over a time period. Thank you. I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> we're nailing it, mate. You must be an advisor. Glenn. We're, yeah. we're, we're, in, we're in sync today. Uh, but uh, you know, it's a, the time frame of investment is something that I talk to my clients a lot about: short term, mid term, and long term. And you've got to have those buckets of availability. If you're after a short term investment, would you go down the path of going to shares because of uncertainty and volatility? Is it long term? Everyone walks into my office and wants to talk about volatility risk and volatility risk is the risk that your portfolio goes up and goes down with market uncertainty. What they forget a lot about is longevity risk and the risk that you don't take on enough volatility risk, that you don't earn enough of a return to maintain the longevity of your money. So when we're talking about turn deposits versus investment, first of all, to Sam's point a moment ago, is what are you trying to facilitate with the money? Understand that first and that will then dictate what type of investment you want to go into. And if I throw to this, turn deposit rates, not great. No. Um, <laughs> I was like, that was a really yeah. long-winded answer yeah. to say. Go, cash, no. it, cash is a bad investment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> going out on a limb, turn deposits suck. Um, <laughs> oh, 
thought it was so funny. I was like, my, my answer's a lot shorter than that. You're just like, invest. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> no, don't go into it. <laughs> Actually, it's, do you want to say something? I'm, I'm going to get up a text message while you say something uh, smart, Sam. <laughs> Oh, you might be waiting a while. No. <laughs> um, yes. Well, for me, no. Turn posits right now is is not a viable option, especially in the demographic that we're working in. Um, most people would have debt of some kind and either if it is your home loan, offset accounts are way more interesting in terms of if you do need liquidity, short-term cash type funds, um, definitely looking at offset accounts. Otherwise, um, paying off consumer debt. Um, but yeah, I, I personally would not be considering term deposits for our clientele in this market. Look, I think you're right. I mean, again, when we talk about that risk appetite for investment, most clients will say, no, I don't want to take on any risk. And then you might ask the question, what, what do you hope you achieve with your money? And, and most people come back to a percentage return whilst it's not a driver for me. And they might say, I want 7%. And it's actually educating clients in my demographic of that pre-retiree retirees phase is that you cannot get a reasonable rate of return without taking on a reasonable level of risk. And to GJ's point a moment ago, it's about the time frame. How long is it in there for? Yeah. And I think the whole thing, like people go, I want 7%. Okay, why? Where did you yeah. pluck that number from? Exactly. It's like people go, I'm paying too much for my super fund. I'm like, okay, well, what's a reasonable amount? Oh, I don't know. Well, go and get school before yeah so <laughs> anyway I had a great question the other day a, a client said to me I you know, quoted my fee and they said that's expensive I said well what are you comparing it to like the, mm. the, the, the groceries at Woolworths or the petrol you put in your car this morning you, you've never seen an advisor before it, it can't be expensive unless you know what you're going to get out of it and that's that value proposition totally. that we talk about um, so a friend of mine Matt sent me a message uh, last night 6.09pm hey got a question for, for you all good if it's too big to text or that you don't have time for. I'm a student with no income except $150 a week from my rental property expenses, uh, from my rental property after expenses. So, a student living on $150 a week, okay? Mm. What would you do with 5K or 10K if you had it as some cash to improve over the next 12 months? I wrote back nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> some great advice, mate. Yeah, so I went on to say, like, if you're not investing, for this guy and for some of you listening, the best investment you can make right now is in yourself. Finish your study. Don't worry about investing in the future. Invest in you. Get through your study without any debt and be cash heavy if you can. If you can't, all good. Okay? Bit of a lifestyle. Totally. So, if you don't need the money within four to five years, absolutely it needs to go to work. But if you do need that money within the next four to five years... I would be keeping it in cash. Absolutely. And I'm not talking about term deposits. I'm just going online savings account because the term deposit, you're not getting enough difference between a term deposit rate and an app called cash rate. Yeah, for the lack of liquidity. Totally. Um, look, I think that's a great call. First of all, 150 bucks a week as a uni student. One big night out a week. Uh, that's the first comment. So, again, that $5,000 or $10,000 of cash, what are you hoping to achieve with that over the long term? I think your comment there, mate, was uh, was spot on. Invest in yourself. Get the study done. Understand what it means for you. That's going to get into a far greater earning capacity. But if you've got an investment property, maybe it's got some debt, maybe it's got an offset account, maybe dump it in there. Not going to get a turn deposit rate of sort of 2%, but an offset cash rate of sort of 6.77% on your investment property. So, that's actually, and people always forget this, having money in your offset account is effectively earning you the rate of return that your interest rate is charging you. So that's something you really but want to understand. more because it's not taxed. Correct. So you could gross up the amount. So my, I'll make a number up. My current home loan 
is 4%. So I'll get charged 4% interest. Now, if I put $5,000 in my offset account, I'm not getting 4% in interest paid to me, but I'm not paying interest on the debt of 4%. But if I worked it out and added back the tax on 30% 30 or whatever, it could be you might get an extra 1% or 1.5% in your effective return. So... Uh, if you want, Google Glenn James, uh, what is an offset account? It will be the number one hit. For this afternoon. For this afternoon. <laughs> All right. Anthony asks, is it better to travel overseas or save for a house while I'm still young, 18 to 23? Sam, that's your age demographic. I'll throw to you. Look, to me, travel is vital, if, I, if I'm honest. So, I would... 100% be saying why I'll not, drop you at the why airport. not do both yes <laughs> I'll order the Uber for you <laughs> yeah it's like that little like taco chick why not yeah. do both you definitely can do both uh, I travel responsibly obviously like set yourself a budget um, but there is no reason that you can't um, put some money aside as well for, for your home deposit but I mean if you're going to do one or the other 18 to 23 go and enjoy yourself for sure. Look, it's challenging though because, uh, as we know, with that demographic, everyone's trying to, and it depends what buying a house means for you. Some people love it. Some people like renting. Some like people like to be transient. Mm. They don't want to have that 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 security or that that um, that that ball and chain of having a property. So I, I think that's a challenge as well. So understand what's important here and what uh, owning a house will mean for you. But look, you know my theory, Sam. We've talked about this a lot over the journey. Experiences are everything, and if you're able to travel between the ages of 18 to 23 before you start having kids, before you start getting married, before you have your first divorce. I mean, that's really the time you can go and enjoy yourself. And if you've got that opportunity and you've finished your study. Can I come to your next wedding? (laughs) (laughs) It'll be a great one. It'll be somewhere overseas. It'll be someone that you you hooked him up with. It'll be one of our listeners. Exactly. Lucky people. (laughs) But uh, look, I reckon travel's everything. Travel experiences. Um, I I said a great comment to a client the other day. They said, should I travel or should I stay around and, and, and pay off a house? I said, look, on your deathbed, you're never going to say to someone, I travelled too much. Mm. I had too many great experiences. So enjoy it while you're there. Yeah, I think money should be a facilitator of your lifestyle. And so if you can go and travel and have fun whilst doing the other stuff, I'm, d- I'm not saying don't save. I, <laughs> Please don't get I, me wrong. I would probably, because this question comes up a lot, right? Mm. And there's a couple of caveats that I would like to put out. So if Anthony... If you've got a freaking personal loan or a car debt or you haven't got your systems in place to manage your money well, you need to stay freaking put, keep your ass on the ground, mm. clean up your mess before you even worry about sav- saving for a house or traveling. So, number one, clean up your mess. Number two, if you can get in good habits. So, we've got people that write in all the time. Oh, I've got 50 grand. Do I buy a house or travel? It's like, well... A couple of things. If you rocked up tomorrow and blew 50 grand on a big international trip, you've got the habits and behavior in place. You can come back, get into it, save money and punch it. If you've got that much money saved, I'd be like, well, let's just get in the house, chill out. I'm sure you can have a banging holiday for 20 grand. Correct. Yeah. And I think um, what I see a lot of people do is they, they save, 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 and then they want to go on the trip. So then they put it on a credit card. Yeah. And so you don't want to get into that habit or that cycle if you're saving for things save for your holiday the same way you would save for a home or it's that instant gratification though of the demographic okay just so you saying cash flow the holidays don't use them as a savings target 
So no. when we're saving for a home, mm. it's a big campaign. Mm-hmm. Every cent I've got, I'm saving BAM. Yep. I'm saving BAM. Yep. You're saying instead of saving BAM holiday, come back home, save, 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 BAM holiday in this cyclical thing. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, you need to build your freaking life if you want. I mean, do what you want. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess I'm saying mm-hmm. have the structure and in the Glen James spending plan, if I can plug it, Matt, if you would let me, <laughs> um, I like to factor in holidays into one spending plan. So we cash flow them throughout the year. hundred percent. No, I, I hundred percent agree with you, but what, what I don't want to see is that people are saving so hard for homes that then they're going to travel anyway. Like that is just the fact. It, we live in Australia. Everyone yeah. wants to travel. That, it, totally. that is just who we are. Do you reckon it's funny? You go to the most asshole of the universe somewhere and like you see an Aussie there. You've been to Bali. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. You're like, you never one. Hobart. Hobart. <laughs> you, you go to Hobart. Yeah. You see an Aussie. Yeah. By the way, they live 20 minutes from you. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's just nuts, isn't it? So good. I was in South America and I walked into a, a, a hostel in the middle of nowhere in Chile and I walk in, I hear this Aussie voice. I'm like, oh God, I try to get away from these people. Yeah. And literally from Hobart, knew my cousin. We, you know, the, the, the relationships were there straight away. Now, sure, uh, they weren't great people, but I mean, they were nearly <laughs> each other. Fantastic. Shout out Hobartians. <laughs> Is it Hobartians? Oh, I'd say Hobartians, maybe. Hobartians. You, 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 oh, you, you, you do you. Just trying to class it up. <laughs> you do you. Oh, and for those listening to this uh, rubbish, and remember, this is just a bonus episode, so back off, everyone. It's bonuses on a Thursday. Back off. We're going to try and do a an event in Hobart. So, Matt, just tell us about one of the listeners. Shout out. Is it Tran? Tran Dang. Yeah. yeah. What up, Tran? Tran, how are you? Um, Tran reached out. And just talk to me what you're planning with her little fraternity or something. Look, I loved it. Tran uh, recently graduated as an optometrist down in Hobart. Her and about nine or ten of her uh, fellow graduates got together and they're starting to earn reasonable money now as an optometrist in Hobart. And none of them, after listening to your uh, podcast, none of them knew how to work their money, how to run their banking structure. Wait, wait. After listening to my podcast, they didn't, they didn't know, know how. Um, yeah, uh, let's well, still, that. And that's why they're coming to see me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, But I said to Tran, look, great. I mean, this is what you, we've all got friends. And if you're not talking to how to deal with money with your friends, who are you talking yeah, to? Totally. I mean, that's what we do all the time. So we're going to run a little event down in Hobart. We're going to bring you down a live live cast uh, with Tran and eight of her friends. So if you are in the Hobart area and you want to get involved, reach out to, uh, to GJ uh, or myself. Um, come along. It'll probably be early December. And we'll have a few wines, a few beers. Bit of a chat about some money. A shandy, if you will. Oh, look, if we need to. Uh, a little bit of local gin or whiskey, but it's going to be great. Um, really casual chat about what money means and how we can set it up. And for I it. have never been to Tasmania. Which what? disgusts me. Do I need a passport? You need, you need a few uh, shots before you go down. Yeah. So, again, Anthony, um, travel or go overseas. Look, okay, let's actually quickly let's unpack this. Mm-hmm. You've had this question, you want to travel. Save for a home, and you've said 18, 23. Let's just say you're 20 years old, okay? Money's good, all that. It's easier to save three grand, go on a banging trip, have fun, work out, oh, I want to actually move to London for the next two years or whatever. Yep. Then do that. Live, just live. And it's funny, Pidge, like John, he would be like, get the house first. But it's just, what's your personality? Mm. I would rather... Go find... Because I didn't know what I was going to do with my freaking life until I was 25. Mm. Still kind of don't. No, at 42. At 42. Oh, bloody... Hey, (laughs) Not 42, everyone. Back off. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a personal thing. But in terms of achieving a goal, 
low-hanging fruit. It's quicker to save a couple of grand, go get some experiences, mm-hmm. and then... Um, find yourself. Find yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I would do. But again... Um, You're talking to the experts and we're well, both based on the same thing. Well, and as well, you get what you paid for for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, our comments are worth what you paid for them. Okay, we'll end with Catherine. I do wonder, hubby and I had a money win lately and were a bit excited. We shared with our closest friends, but they struggled to hide their jealousy and resentment. Are they really their closest friends? Um, but anyway, that was just me adding that. Any <laughs> ideas on how we enjoy our success while not rubbing it in? Pretty simple. Bye. Yeah. Catch well, up. Find some new friends. <laughs> no, do you know, this is so interesting because that this has happened to a few people in my life where, you know, we've helped them, you know, establish themselves and all of a sudden their friends are getting a bit narky or a little bit funny about, Oh, you know, new pair of shoes, or a new this, or a new car, or a new home, or yeah, whatever. They're Valentinos. I mean, <laughs> um, but I, I really do think um, you do need to reconsider some some friendship groups as you become more successful. You will start to notice some people will lift you up and help you with that success. But on the flip side, um, if if they're kind of dragging you down, then one, I would consider whether or not you actually want them. But if, if they are your closest friends, sometimes you can't always pick them. Yeah, and it's it's hard because – and I find this sometimes like I've been vocal on the podcast where I'm going to just turn it down about my own personal financial situation, I guess, more publicly because what happens is if I go and buy a new car, for example – Oh, like last week? Like last week, yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's only a Lexus, though. It's only a Lexus. Okay, so I go and buy a car, right? It looks like a $100,000 car, okay? You said you had an accident. I mean, let's talk about how we found out yeah, about the car. I sent Hawk a text and I said, and Sam, in our Facebook group, I'm like, hey, guys, I've had an accident. And I'm thinking, Christ, I'm mate, are you okay? <laughs> are you know. hurt? Uh, is anything wrong? And he sends a picture of a car. I know. I was looking at the car to see what accident Where's you the had. Damage? And I was like, what's happening? Where's the damage? <laughs> no, that was no, the accident. The damage was to your back pocket. <laughs> exactly. So I bought a new car, right? I'd had my eye on it for some time. Unbelievable deal. Uh, I paid $35,000 for this car, cash, okay? So, no loan, just went and got it, private deal, negotiated. There's still some on car sales worth forty five. so I believe I got a good deal. Now, put a video up in the Facebook group. N- num- number one, yes, social media doesn't have any tone in the text, so you don't know whatever, but I did take it down and then... But the thing is, the trap that you've got is... And I'm talking to Catherine's friends. Catherine's friends are using their measuring stick to measure something that could be completely different. Mm. So you might be up in arms that I spent $35,000 on a car, but yeah. that could be nothing in my world. Correct. Yep. I've, I've, you read the blog, you search Glenn James, how much I spent on a car, you will see that. I've got guidelines for buying cars and motor vehicles. So, everything I've done is within my guidelines and it's actually no one's business realistically on what anyone spends their money on. So, I think that's the problem is Catherine's friends are looking at their situation, their own personal situation and reconciling it with another situation. Oh, that's ridiculous. You can't spend that. You can't spend that. It could be a, a bloody... 
a blip in their like spare change in their world or whatever. And, and run your own race. I mean, stay in your own lane. If you are beholden to happiness of comparing yourself to um, the people closest to you. And look, we all do compare. I mean, I, I look around, I like that jacket. I wish I could afford that jumper. People do compare, but comparing shouldn't be uh, reflective on your happiness and your happiness well, of friends. It's, it's not even the happiness because it's comparison is the thief of joy. Great comment. You're welcome. My pleasure. Wow. And Profound. Yeah, but... <laughs> Copyright, Glenn James. Yeah, probably stole it from somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, so don't... If you're listening, don't use your situation to measure it against somebody else's situation because you've got no freaking idea of what's going on in their life. So to Catherine's point then, what does she do? So there's jealousy, there's resentment. She's holding them back a little bit. I think her friends are saying, you know, you should feel bad because you're, you've had some great success. And mm. I think that's a challenge for personal and, and financial uh, um, uh, goals and, and desires and, and wealth creation if your friends are holding you back? Oh, well, I, I just think some friends, you just got to limit the amount of information you tell them. Yeah, or find it, other people to celebrate your wins with on your level. Yeah, yeah. Pick and choose who you share. What I, I couldn't agree more with that. But I think uh, also to these people who are judging, I guess, her successes, it, it obviously has something to do with their own money biases, I guess. As Absolutely. To, you know, they've, they've got some shit that they're working through. Um, well, I just swear on this. Sorry. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're obviously working through some stuff right now and it's probably something that they need to unpack themselves is why am I treating my friend like this? Or mm. Why is there resentment? Why is there jealousy? Yeah. You know, is there something that I could be doing in my life? Like, could I reciprocate? Or maybe if I asked some questions, maybe they'd be able to give me some guidance. I, I, always, I always find it really interesting because what people don't see, they always see what you portray out there. What mm-hmm. they don't see is back in the house, right, mm-hmm. where you're not extravagant. You don't eat takeaways. You've had, you know, bread and toast for breakfast. Well, you've got to pick your own battles. You've got to pick mm. your own battles, right? So people only see what they can see and what they want to see. So whilst, to your point, Glenn, 35000 cash in a car, some people might be going, wow, how does he spend? that on a vehicle but what they haven't seen is what you've had to do to be able to achieve that Mm -hmm. and you don't see the full picture it's the iceberg above the water yeah and it's like to those who have a problem with it that's cool but it was me leaving my office at 7 30 p.m on a friday night correct you know yep it it was me going to work on a saturday so you know you you just can't compare your own situation or uh, get upset by someone else's situation exactly no, absolutely not. And look, great question though. And I think that's something that's becoming more prevalent as people have better financial habits and they're starting to think about money at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. And therefore, to some extent, while it's a corny saying, achieving somewhat financial freedom as an earlier age. And if you start earlier, you'll achieve it earlier. And some people are leaving it too late and then there's a real differential or a, or a disparity. And it comes back to the bloke earlier who said, do I travel or do I buy a house? Well, if he decides to buy a house, he's going to own a house probably earlier than a lot of his mates. But he hasn't had the experience. But the fact that he's thinking about it now while he's young, awesome. it all goes back to, I say, you've got to have a strategy, however small. And if his strategy is, write it down, say it out loud, I'm saving up three grand, I'm going to Europe, South America, whatever, I'm going to have a banging couple of weeks, get it out of my system, going to come back, save again. I, I still want my house and I'll have my deposit within five years, but I would have traveled and lived life. Love it. Hey guys, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, um, pleasure. Thanks for having us. And I'll let you know what reputation damage that's occurred after this. To you or us? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I can only, it can only, it can only get be better, Sarah. <laughs> this is lifting me up. <laughs> that's right. And uh, for those in Hobart, we will uh, we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thanks, right. mate. Bye-bye. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.